chat. Uh, we've got the normal crowd in the room today. I'll go backwards this time. To my right, I have Steve, Hunter, Amanda, Katie, and myself. And we're diving into chapters 11 and 12 today, and they were just gripping and moving, I think, <laughs> for everyone in the room except me. So, um, what session is this? This is episode 6. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, chapters 11 and 12. Um, Why are you starting? Because I do it every time. Oh. I said, I said I wanted to start. I, I don't want you to. I think you're going to say something horrible. <laughs> so I'm going to interrupt you and start over. I'll cut you off. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so chapters 11 the and 12. The people listening out there are going to think that I'm some kind of something. You're something. <laughs> All right. So chapters 11 and 12 are kind of where he gets into the nitty gritty of some deep theology. We were just talking about it before. Uh, this is probably not, especially chapter 12, more so than chapter 11. I felt like I needed another degree to really I I kind of pretend everything But I, I want to get but, this on a level yeah. of, oh, and, and, and of the people. Yeah, that's what I, I first, want to do too. First off, I want to apologize to my precious mother, who is reading this book with us and following this podcast for chapters 11 and 12. Mom, I'm, I'm sorry. I know how hard that had to be. Number two, chapter 11, for those of you that are not reading the book, um, is about slavery. Chapter 12 is about atonement. Is that all you want to say? That's all I've got okay. to add. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. So it wasn't just so it was about it was about slavery. Chapter eleven was about slavery, but it also and, and remember, like the theme of this book is is not necessarily about slavery or atonement because that that's not really what these chapters are about. It's about how we're reading the Bible. So that was something I was trying to take. Like, okay, yes, he's talking about slavery, but he's also teaching us about how we use the topic of slavery to read the Bible, and how that that can change. Um, that that how that that can change how we view issues. Like he's talking about these these are blue parakeets. These are problems in the Bible. Slavery is obviously an issue in the Bible. To say okay, well we know now that slavery is something bad. So why was it allowed in the Bible? And he he's kind of showing God's redemption of of working towards what what God intended, um, and and why that was such a blue parakeet in those in those in the in the Bible. But what do y'all have? So for me, I thought, okay, practical, practically now, how do we like relate to this? So yes, we've looked at it and slavery is bad. We get that point. But now we have to keep looking forward to what are we doing yeah. that is like slavery to our own people? How our treatment of people today, how is that similar? How should we relate to that and continue to be aware of it and go away from it. Yeah, so how do we do that? Tell us, Katie. Well, I don't know. I just have to say I'm very impressed because I did not do anything like that at all. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, I understood the context is within the whole story of the Bible and, you know, like we've been talking about, 
what, what you know is it pick and choose who gets to pick and choose who you know finally decided that slavery was wrong um a lot of discussion about atonement and what that is and and i get all that but you know what I feel like we have to look at as the church today, like Katie said, what is that in our world today that maybe there are some church people that are going, this is right, this is absolutely right. And, you know, you look at it from a Bible perspective and there are some in the background going, no, that don't really line up with loving God, loving others, making disciples. Bingo. And so, yep. you know, what, will we see, or I, I assume this is probably an ongoing thing in every generation. There are some people that are like, no, this is the way it is because this is the way we've always done it. And then there are other people going, but that doesn't really line up with the Jesus that I'm resonating with. And so... You know, or you know, in every generation, is that a point of transition? You know, to something a little different, to where God was speaking in Moses' ways and Moses' days, and right. you know, each generation. You know, um, uh, older folks, which I'm definitely rapidly becoming a part of that group. You know, we we look at. And I'm not saying myself. I'm saying my my generation looks at young people and think they're dumb, worthless, and don't have a clue. And I can't help but think that that's the way my grandparents looked at my generation, you know. And so, how how does this evolve? What does that look like in the church? You know, I I, I don't know, but it definitely opens your eyes and brings an awareness to the fact that it is. The message has not changed, but the, I don't know, the way we live that out definitely has. No, that's, and I completely agree with that. One, one thing that I loved about this was when he starts talking about Philemon, the book of Philemon. First off, I've read that, but I guess I didn't realize what he was doing in that. Like what he was doing, what Paul was doing in that. I preached letter. on that not long ago. You don't did listen you talk to any of my about, messages. Did you talk did you? about on this and this stuff? Oh yeah, Onesimus is the subject of. No, the I know that. But, I mean, did you go into the like? The, did you t- say like the same things? No. Okay. Uh, I, I I I thought he had some really interesting insights, but he what did. what it was good? What you were saying was exactly right. Like, how do we take this idea of Philemon and Onesimus? And Paul is saying, hey, this is your brother. This is not your slave. This is, this is your brother. And um, how do we take that today, like, like in the way that we treat people? Like who are the people, that, this is what I was thinking, who are the people, and this is exactly what you were saying, who are the people that we, are, that we believe are less than us? Um, I think that there's a lot of topics that we could go, but, you know, one one that I see is uh, marginalized poor people, immigrants, that we think that they we don't view them as brother and sister. We view them as less than. But, you know, sometimes. and some older people here, you talk about that, 
and they go, oh, there's another millennial talking about immigration and poor people and how we ought to help them. And they, right. you know what? They ought to just help themselves. Yeah, right. You know, and so it's this whole generational perspective that is changing that, you know, like I said, has happened in every generation. Right. And so... Well, it's a con- it's just a, it's a continuing conversation. Like, mm-hmm. it's a conversation that just has to keep going. Um and that's, that's what I think he wants us to see in these chapters is that we have to read the Bible to see how he was working then so that we can recognize how he's working now. Well, I mean, he even says it's a callback to Israel. Yeah. It gets brought up over and over and over. Remember, you were slaves too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember. And mm-hmm. we have to put ourselves in that position and, and be humble. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Who else? What else you got? Would you like me? I have uh, Lynette's copy of the Blue Parakeet with me. Would you like me to uh, share with you some of her notes? Go ahead. Mm. Verse chapter eleven. She had the same notes I had. None. Um, <laughs> chapter twelve. Uh, she just, you know, kind of pointed out these different uh, theories of atonement. Um, so we want to do that. I just thought it was really neat at the first of it, and it says that those who are most shrill and defensive of their theory of atonement have the most to learn from the others. And I think that you can take that in every aspect. Yep. Mm-hmm. I wrote LOL. Because yeah. so true. <laughs> yep. Like, I just want to say, get over yourself. Yeah, you know? it is. Well, and, and then there was two statements there toward the end, 182 and 83, that I underlined. Just to show you that I read all the way through. (laughs) Two things that I think we miss, or the church as a whole misses so often, and I think it's very evident in what we're seeing, not not just in our church, but in our culture, with people making church an optional thing for their families, is the point being made here about the story of God, the story of God and the story of His kingdom. He says there at the bottom of 182, the new creation then is both personal, individual, and corporate. Mm. New creation is as much about the body of Christ, the church in the world, as it is about you and me experiencing personal conversion. Yes. So, uh, thank you, Amanda. It is. You know, we want to make atonement about me, but atonement is about the church. You know, it, it's not about you, but the culture that we live in today wants everything to be about them. Yeah, yeah so so it flies in the face. Of I mean, this is today. I could I could get into a sermon on this quote. Okay, and I'm one more one more, and then yeah, I'm going right, to okay. the Bible on page eight one eighty three. The Bible is about the people of God far more than individual persons and their redemption. Yes, yes bingo. though the latter is vital for the flourishing of the former. So this could get preachy quick, so I'm going to try not to, but I uh, I just feel like I'm in a bunch of conversations right now that are, that are talking about this exact same thing. But one thing that we have to understand is that the Bible preaches, for, well, number one, for the last 200 years, we have been so focused on my personal relationship with Jesus. It's all about me and God. That's all it is about. 
And we've been so focused on that that we've lost sight. We've done we've done this to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But the church has done it to ourselves because we've we've emphasized the personal relationship with Jesus, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So much though that we've de-emphasized what it means to be the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And what what Scott McKnight is saying here, and when you read the Bible, what you see is that. We, yes, we are saved in, individually, but there's also something to be said that we are saved in community. We are saved together to, to do God's work uh, around the world. Like we are, we are in that community. Um, and that's just as much, that's just as important. I think the Bible points to a lot of times where it's more important than it is about the individual part of it. Um, but that's my little spiel. The atonement theory stuff was is good and if you want to go get an MDiv you can really understand all of that like I said I, I needed another degree or two to really get all of it but I think it boils down to not do, do arguing you know, do you know but, how old this guy is because it bothers me just a little bit that he spells his name his name's Scott and he only spells it with one T so that bugs me just a he's, little bit I just, did you just know it today? Just me too today. I just noticed yeah. it sitting here the second thing is, is I feel like sometimes when people are writing books, mm-hmm. that they have to prove their little bit, mm-hmm. prove their I'll knowledge. And I sure. felt like as I was reading that, yes. he's trying to make the point that he knows what he's talking about mm-hmm. because he's very educated. Well, he's a- and and that you know that's all well and fine. That turns off some people though. Yeah. Um, Didn't turn me off. I just had a hard time following. It was right. so wordy. He is sixty-eight years old. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yep. With one teeth. Yep. Yep. 68. One T or one tooth? One, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's 68. But he, he's also, he's been a professor. Like his his career is an academic. And so he's, he writes this on a digestible level. Sometimes I think he lets his academics get interwoven in there a little bit, a little bit too much. This is one of those chapters where I definitely was feeling like I was going to have to catch up. So um, is the, the next chapter going to be the one where he starts talking about women in ministry? We will read the next two chapters. Uh, the next chapter is on justice, but then we get into women in ministry, yeah. And that and that's more practicality than we're kind of up in the clouds here. Dan, you hadn't said much. What you get? Uh, well, I just love that he took 10 pages, and then at the last part of this little section here on 165, he goes... I must say once again, a slave is a slave is a slave. And I'm like, yep, you could have saved me 10 pages. I get it. <laughs> I understand. I had church history. I've had American history. Like, and I'm not making light. Like, I'm not trying to make a joke. But like you, like you were saying, Steve, yeah, it's are. just like, yeah, there's, you just told me nine different ways of slavery. Like, yeah, man, I get it. I'm just, it's not good. But one of the things he makes at a point here, and Jesus talks about this in the New Testament, about being a slave and his his line here is it's on 165 at the bottom he turns the language of following jesus knowing jesus loving jesus and obeying jesus into the metaphor of slavery and out here to the side i had i had written wrote i had written god created it and sin corrupted it you know that's we are to to be that have that kind of worth ethic to to follow the i guess I don't want to say our owner, but but to follow God's will and to to be that, to do the work. But it's this perfect relationship that God created, but sins in the world, and it's kind of corrupted it. Well, no, that's a good point. He talks about a little bit, I can't remember what page, um, but he talks about how, like, this was the relationship that man was supposed to have with animals. 
mm-hmm. and and but mm-hmm. when sin comes in, we begin to have we begin to think that we have the relationship with other people, like we own other people, that we own um, as property other human beings, and that's what that's the corruption of sin in that. Yeah. Right. I yeah. think it's 161 because I did underline this. The minute human beings begin to rule over other human beings, which yep. is what slavery is, like they're they're jacking up God's rule. Like yeah. That's, and that's right. not what right. we're supposed to do. Yeah. And there's a word there that I didn't know what it is that I had to translate. Yeah. And I'm like, why can't we just say jacked up? But, <laughs> um, but yeah. And then at the very end, you know, even with all the atonement as I was going through here, I was like, well, I need to underline something. But at the end of 12, on it's the la- like the last sentence, kind of his final thoughts. I really, I really it. like his final thoughts. Like just, yeah, give me the final thoughts. Um, <laughs> these humans have a mission to the world to be its light by pointing the king or by pointing to the king and his kingdom. And I like how he uses that language over and over and over. Like we've said, it's not just about you and your relationship. It's about you and your relationship inside. God's creation with mm-hmm. other people that are all doing this together. You know, the community of believers. And that's just one thing I've tried to make a conscious effort about, even with the students on Wednesday nights, is to talk about the importance of, like, hey, it's not just come to church to turn in your forms or pay for Nazarene Youth Conference coming up, but about doing life together, journeying with other students in the hall. Like, hey, high school girl student, there's a seventh grade girl student that has struggled or is struggling through some things that you've overcome, like, you know, kind of help them through that, you know? Yeah. So why is it that it seems like no one is hearing the message? If we all feel this way, if we all see it for what it is, why are numbers across the country going down? In- I have a theory. Okay. If there's atonement theory, this is Dan's theory. Like, as I've read through this, and even in our last book, like, I've, I I don't know if this is right or wrong. This may be bad theology. But I've never tried to have just, like, a hardcore stance when it comes to some of the things we're talking about throughout the book. Like, what was it, you know, I joked about premarital sex last week. Like, well, had I known, you know, and we were joking even off while we weren't recording, probably, for the right... Anyway, point being is, um, I think when you... when we're open to having this conversation because we want to learn, we want to empower and instruct and teach, but to be receptive to that, that means there may be something in your life that has to change. Like, you're comfortable, you can go to church every now and then, do your thing, and you know, you're good and just kind of dip your toe in the water, but to get fully submerged is, is a whole nother ball game, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's, it's a lot harder and it Takes exactly a little more. Right. It takes so, priority. I mean, yeah, I think I think people prioritize their busy lives, mm-hmm. and there's if you don't cut something out or don't reprioritize, so, then it's not going to yes. change. I mean, I got really excited. Even with students, <laughs> after after a youth trip or an event, you know, you're coming off this emotional high, and you're just like charge hell with a water pistol. And I always tell students, well, what are you going to give up? I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to do my... That's great. So what are you sacrificing? Because your time is spent right now. So what are you going to give up? And that's what there's so many families and individuals. It's like, well, I have my career. I have this. I have my kids' activities, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, well, to invest more in this, it's going to take a little bit of work. And no one wants to work. And no one wants to give up their what, what they've got going on. Because like you say, Amanda, that has a higher priority. Yeah. And it's just understanding well, what's... What has, I think I said 
I stole this from someone. This is not my own words. But what has um, eternal reward versus temporary reward? And there's so many people living from temporary to temporary to temporary that they've they've lost sight of, of what's eternal. Yeah. Well, and I, I think there's some truth to what, to what you're saying, Daniel, is that the more... Some truth. No, no there, was, there was good, but but I, the more that we, the more that Christianity demands of people, the less people we're going to have committed to it. And uh, right now we're kind of in this cultural moment that where being Christian is not the easy thing to do, and it's not necessarily like it's well, it's it's just not culturally normal, normal right. any any longer. Right. Yeah, and so. Now to be a Christian, like used to, everybody went to church. Mm-hmm. Like every, yeah. it, it was expected. It was, where did you go to church? Yeah, it was expected that Especially everyone went to church. Well, nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody had anything else to do. I mean, even if <laughs> well, your kids, but, but but seriously, I mean, you worked till you you worked, and then you came home, and you didn't. Right. You, you know, you ate at home, you stayed at home. It was a rare treat to go out. And now uh, you're a bad parent if you don't let your kids do all these extracurricular right, activities. Right, right. And, and, you know, I played ball. I played every sport. But guess what? You know what? We never played on Sunday. We never played on Wednesday. We didn't have to worry about a practice being scheduled on Sunday or Wednesday. And you know what? Very seldom did we play on a Saturday. And so you had more time. And when you had revivals, people didn't have anything else to do so well, they went to church and I, I there is that that is true but it, it's also <laughs> a part of what the culture was and what the culture emphasized like like christianity was the controlling power of america for for good or for bad honestly for the entire 20th century and so for all throughout the 1900s christian and christianity was the thing to do like if you wanted to be elected to public office you were a christian if you wanted to if you wanted to be an influential person in, in the community you went to church because that's where all the influential people were and now that is not the case yeah that, and, it reminds me of a story that yeah. is 30 years ago somebody that actually they, they told me this we moved into greenbrier owned a business and he said i told my wife we need to find, you know, a big church where a lot of people are going, yep. and that's where we need to go to church yep. because we're, you know, business owners. Yeah, and but as the as the culture moves away from that, it's going to require more commitment from people to go to church and be a Christian. And the more commitment it requires, the less people that are going to be willing to, like Daniel said, prioritize to give up things to do that. Do you think it's an identity thing? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, my identity is being part of this group of people that their kids are also involved in this activity. Yep. Whereas before, it was like my identity is to be the spiritual leader of my family and be part of this church. Oh, and also, I do these activities with other people. Yeah, and what's funny about it is, and this is going to make somebody mad, but there's probably only two people listening to this anyway, but if you want to know what somebody wants their identity to be, they would never tell you what they want their identity to be. But if you want to know what somebody wants their identity to be, go read their Facebook page. Yeah. Because they are advertising who they want to be. That's exactly right. Well, I don't know who I want to be because I don't... Well, you want to be a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> 
I guess so. <laughs> Better than guess. a drug pusher. That's, but. That is true. Um, All right, let's do final thoughts. Let's wrap it up. Uh, what does everybody else have? Mm. I've said enough. I'm done. Likewise. I'm, I'm going to post in the link of this Facebook post, I'm going to post an article that makes atonement theory a little digestible, a little more digestible for people that want to dive in, by no means feel that you have to. If you want to talk atonement theory, find someone smarter than anyone sitting around this table, and I'm sure they would love to chat with you about it, but this is, this is probably the wrong church for you. So <laughs> we had just read all these atonement theories, and then Hunter sends us a link about another atonement theory, and I'm like, you really think I'm going to click on that link? <laughs> no. <laughs> we can recommend some really good churches if that's what you want to talk about. Well, and one thing that just is cool, and I, I hope the book towards the end gets there, to say kind of his thoughts, here's kind of where I'm at, you know, because so far he's just proposed a lot of questions, and if that's what being a great theologian is, is just to propose a lot of questions, I'm still not into it. But um, I just like that, you know, all of us come from a little bit different background, but for the most part the same, and it's just it's enjoyable to me that we can all struggle through it. And I think that's one of the cool things the church needs to embrace more is to not come at things with all the answers, but to come at things and go, you know what, I don't have the answer to that, but let's 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 struggle through that together. Mm-hmm. You know, as a... People don't want to do that anymore, though. They just want to argue and be divisive, and I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah, and, like, and you can't have this conversation yeah. with a lot of people in our world today. You can't have this yeah. conversation with a lot of people in the church today. Like how, how refreshing is it? The one thing about about slavery to to look at that and to be to look to see slavery all throughout the Bible and be like, we know now that that was really wrong. It doesn't matter how nice they were to them or not. Right. We know that that's wrong. So why why wasn't the Bible like taking this hard stance against it? Like it's refreshing for us to be able to have that conversation and be like, okay, well let's let's figure out why together. And, not, and just say, hey, that was something that makes me uncomfortable about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The blue parakeet. That's right. Yeah. All right. We will dive into chapters 13 and 14. Those are two different sections. Um, we are going to dive into justice on chapter 13. And then uh, we'll begin our, our the women in ministry chat um, in chapter 14. So those are the two chapters we'll do next week. I think we are so far off our proposed schedule that I'm not even going to try to keep up with it. But uh, that's where we'll be next week. So looking forward to being with you in episode 7.